Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast episode number 129. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Encouraging Others Through Christ. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and today I am excited to bring on yet once again my great and wonderful friend, David Foster. David, glad to have you here, my friend. Hey, buddy. Good. Always good to talk about the thing that I'm passionate about, and that is helping set other people free. So Free. Great to be with you. You know, it is amazing how much my life is different in every single way since becoming, since understanding my freedom in Christ. And I know we talked a lot about that in our telephone conversation the last time we had. So thankful that God's allowed us to work out the technical details of bringing you in full quality. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it is, uh, it's good to talk about, uh, not just our religion, but our relationship with Jesus and helping people distinguish between, you know, we have this idea in America that, you know, everybody needs a religion and going to church and all that can be positive. The truth is religion uh, is just one more weight to carry, one more disappointment uh, to try to medicate or mediate. Uh, a relationship with Jesus is not just freeing it's not just fire insurance in the next life but it is the power and the freedom and the energy and the joy to excel at our everyday lives you know you were talking on a recent episode of your podcast renegades guide to god yes about our identity right in, right in Absolutely. jesus yeah, and I, I I think I would like to talk a little bit about that if you could tell us. Oh what, man, just yeah. an overview of what you yeah. shared there. Yeah, well, I'm in a series right now where I lead a spiritual community here in Nashville called the Gathering Nashville, and I speak in series, always have, and uh, I uh, we're we're a city of creatives, uh, a lot of writers and stuff here, and uh, so I thought it'd be great to just do a series to kick off the year called Moo Out Loud how to stand out from the herd and be heard. And what I said in the series is everyone I've ever met wants to be heard, but few of us ever really have the courage to believe that we have anything worth saying. So what I came up with is what I call the five practices of developing your own personal brand. And the first practice is to free your mind. And a lot of people try, you know, we, we try to get a job, we try to build a life, we try to write a book, we try to do anything with our lives. Uh, we, we first of all got to be free in our brain to understand that we are created beings and our creator is the most creative person in the world, in the universe. And so therefore we are creative. And so what I said is under free your mind, there are three things that every Christian, every person who's interested in having God in their life has to do. One, they have to recognize their standing. Two, they have to accept their calling. And three, they have to begin to develop their ministry. And it's like three concentric circles. If the the inner circle isn't uh, in good repair, nothing else 
on the outside is going to work very well, very long. And my standing is that I am not just created, but I've been redeemed. I've been set free. Uh, my identity is is who God says I am, not who society says I am or who other people say I am. I often say I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have, and I can do what God says I can do. So understanding as a Christian, my identity is in Christ and how Christ defines my life as I follow him. Right. You know, one of the things that I, I love, in, in and obviously, um, I think Oprah has probably a little bit different beliefs than, than either you or I, but who knows. Right, right. But, but there's a quote that I've heard attributed to her that I absolutely love. And it's one of the, it, she, it's where she was uh, quoted as saying, people used to look at me and say, who do you think you are? And today, I'm proud to say that I look at them and say, this is who I am. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, Oprah's from Nashville. She was raised in a, in a strong evangelical church. So she has a lot of the same core, at least, exposure that you and I have. And that is very, that's a very well said. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, 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 it is really the strength of our faith, of my relationship with Jesus, that allows me to show up in any environment and not apologize for who I am. Once I figure out who that is, I bring that to the table and then let everyone else deal with that and accept the fact that not everyone's going to like who I am. And, you know, that's okay. You know, I was asked recently how, you know, actually it was a podcast answer man question. I think I answered it this morning. And somebody says, Cliff, you know, I, I, I hear you talk about audio quality and, and you, you know, having great microphones and equipment, stuff like that makes you sound good. That's really wonderful. But what about your voice? How do you train <laughs> your voice? I mean, yeah. to sound professional. So we sound really. At, and when it came down to it, I'm sitting there just answering the question off the top of my head. And I said, honestly, right. Right. I, I feel like probably the best thing you could do is not try to sound like you're yeah. like somebody that you're not. It's, right. I really believe if you could work more on being confident in who you are right. and right. speaking right. with confidence without yeah. fear what people think, I Absolutely. think that that's the most you can do to improve your voice because it's not just the, the, the fact is some people have squeaky, annoying voices. Right. And, and yeah, but they, they, they don't, I mean, they, maybe they can do some things to improve that. But I really believe that the biggest thing you can do is just to get behind a microphone and be convinced that Absolutely. what you have to say is important and that you have a calling, you have a mission, you have a message, and right. and and you're good enough. Yeah, it is. And I, I think that in this series, again, the five practices, free your, free your mind, uh, take your stand. In other words, what is what is your calling? What What's the thing? that you are upon this planet to do, and, and you can know that. And then uh, fix your focus, which is becoming basically knowledgeable in the area, a, an area of your passion, an area of your concern, and then find your voice. And what happens is, is that when you free your mind, when you take your stand on a hill that matters to you, and you fix your focus so that you become solutions-oriented, your voice begins to emerge from that solid core. And uh, we, we often say here in Nashville that the greatest singers are doomed to go unknown because uh, a lot of the people who are like in country music, even Christian music, they're not the very best singers. They're not the very best voices, 
But what they do have is a quality about their voice that is engaging, that is somehow pulls you in. Uh, and, you know, and that's true for any of us. And you're right. I've been through uh, speech classes and, and we've done voice exercises. And you're right. You can do something uh, to, to, to improve the quality of your voice. But the truth is uh, what we like about a person and what they have to say is more in the confidence and the compassion mm. and, being, and being real that really draws us in. I mean, I think that's the thing that drew me in uh, to Podcast Answer Man early on is here's a guy who gets it. It's not just about being technical. It's about what you can do with these tools that can really get you excited over time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I was very blessed to find my true calling af- yeah. after entering into podcasting and, and actually right. I fell into it. And right. and I love that that God very clearly he I know what I'm meant to do and it's and by right. the way my calling isn't podcasting uh, right. pe- some people confuse and think that that's exactly what my calling is I I think yeah. podcasting is the best one of the greatest ways that I have found to to yeah. live out my calling but I God very much clearly communicated what my calling is to me and that is I am called to be a source of entertainment education. Right encouragement and inspiration to the world by taking the things that I experience in my life's journey and authentically sharing that with other people. Right. Right. And, and, and what's amazing is that's just opened up every single opportunity. It's like, is this a place where I can do this in an efficient way that allows me to still be the husband and the father I want to be and to live a life with margin? Yeah. Well, yeah. And that that's exactly, I think, the, the fruit of the process and the journey you've been on. And I'm like you. I think most people know what their calling is. They just don't have enough courage and encouragement to go out and take the risks that's required, uh, you know, to 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 realize it and to live in it. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking at my age, uh, you know, uh, I was telling you guys a minute ago, I'm going to uh, celebrate my 40th anniversary next week. And we got three uh, grown daughters, two are married, one's getting married. I'm at a stage in my life where, man, I am so, I'm so at peace. I'm so, you know, I, I'm, I'm motivated and passionate and hungry, but I'm satisfied that, man, well, I am in the groove. I know who I am. I know why I'm here, and I know what I want. And every day I just get up and I go for it, and I push the dial just one more step. And I often tell people winning sometimes is just showing up, but winning is also showing up knowing what you want, and, and that helps you know what you don't want. Margin, the key to margin, I found, is knowing what you want so you can say uh, – uh, we can you just let everything else float on by. Yeah, that, that and that's what I'm finding. That and, and you know I'm. It's through setting goals and and it's yeah. through um, having big goals that actually take a lot of time, energy, and effort to actually make yeah. them happen. And when you have those big goals in mind, and then you also have core beliefs that you yeah. that you will not go back on. And yep. you have um, a personal mission statement for why you exist right. and what you will work. What right. will you put your hands right. to? And you have all this other these other values that you say. You know what? My family is important. This is important. 
And when yeah. all of that stuff is in place and you get those emails and I don't know about you, but I get them all day long. It's like, there's this opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Oh, yeah. yeah. And man, it is so easy. And and I heard, I heard this statistic and I think Dan says, you, you know, when you have your core, when you have your personal mission statement and you know what your core values are, you can immediately make a decision to about 70 to 80% of everything that comes your way. Well, that's true. And, and it, you know, it helps you not just in, in your career, it helps you in your personal life because there's so much junk. You don't, you don't get, you, you don't get in debt. You don't spend money. You don't, there's a lot of toys, a lot of crap that you don't acquire because you know what, you're just too busy doing this thing and they're in the way. They're, they're not more things that you just need to add on. Margin comes from understanding when to stop and knowing who you are, knowing where you're standing is, what you're calling, what your ministry, what your mission is, I think really helps you uh, not only, I hate to say be efficient, but certainly be effective. And, and one, of the, one of the greatest culprits I see it in the lives of people every day is just acquiring too much stuff. And our, and our focus gets really, uh, you know, dissipated and our energy gets spread over a, over a wide uh, area. So, you know, we end up being four or five miles wide and about a half an inch thick. And, you know, we crack really easily when life is that way. Absolutely. I know that you listened to the conversation that I had with Wayne Jacobson in the Absolutely. last yeah. uh, episode and loved and it, had such an amazing time talking with yeah. him. And, you know, obviously you're probably one of the first Christian pastors I've ever speak, heard speak on the topic of money where right. I just didn't yeah. cringe when I heard <laughs> you talk about it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Money's a good thing. You know, money is a good thing and money is a God thing. If you do it God's way, and I, it's funny you bring that up because I think you and I've had this conversation. When I was, I was actually at the at the Y running, and I was listening to it, and I thought every story he was telling, I had a, I had almost like a parallel story, and you know, and and they and they become of God's provision, and they become so personal, and sometimes they become so fantastic that you just, you, you know, you. Will I ever tell anybody? Will they really believe it? Do they think I'm making this stuff up? I mean, I have, I, I'm debt free, paid off my house. I have uh, about five, six months worth of expenses. I've paid, all my children went to college debt free. I went to uh, college, seminary, and graduate. That's 10 years. We pay for it on the way. No, we've worked hard, but we try to do money God's way. And, you know, and I've seen God show up in my own life. Uh, you know, I was in a hospital and in, in seminary. When I got to seminary, I had a ruptured appendix, was in the hospital about a month, had no insurance, had about thirty something thousand dollars worth of hospital bills, all of which got paid within twelve months. Mm. God showing up in ways I couldn't have anticipated. And I, I just tell you, money is you know, almost never the problem. Our problem is what you and I have been talking about. We don't know who we are. We don't have a sense of identity. We don't have a sense of divine calling. And as hokey as that may sound to people, that is really, really important. And since we don't know who we are, we don't have a sense of calling. We don't feel like we have a ministry worth doing, worth worth God's support. We try to hijack others or we try to tap into others 
And over time, we just lose interest, we lose steam, and you know, and we just get cynical and we buy into the quick solutions that everyone else seems to be buying into. And you know, we wind up mad, sad, in debt, no income. And and when we're going, you know, like if you're like me into your fifties, looking toward retirement, and you know, I've got guys. I got a guy emailed me yesterday, who I haven't seen since high school. He says, you know, I'm 59 years old. I just got laid off. You think I can get a job in Nashville? And you know, I don't. I, I wouldn't, but I want to say, you know what? The, if you bring the same old dead attitude down here that you got up there, they ain't hiring down here either. Yeah. So, so you know, doing God's, I tell you, uh, I was thinking about Dave Ramsey when you were talking about this whole mission thing. If you were to ask Ramsey, I know because I've done this, tell me what your mission is. He said, I sell hope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. You well, No, but you're a financial guy. Yeah. Sell hope. Well, you know what? That's what you do, uh, Cliff. That's what I do. We're, we're provide. We're, we're, we're really giving people hope that is substantial, hope that is real, hope that's durable, hope that not only will save them uh, for eternity, but will, will turn the light on and give them some enjoyment. If heaven is better than this, I'm going to have to see it. To pr- <laughs> I'm going to have to see it first because life is pretty doggone good, even with its darkness and sadness and, and, and the tragedies that always Befall all of us, you know, the wins and losses. At the end of the day, I look back over my life and think, "Golly, man, you know, the, the, what my what would my life be if I had missed Jesus for religion?" And 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 uh, it would have been it would have been as miserable as a lot of the people I have to deal with. Well, I tell you, somebody in our chat room just wrote in here, Ephesians four twelve. Uh, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built yeah, up. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Thank you very much for that, Michael. That's that's exactly it. I mean, God has yeah. prepared work for us. He's prepared yeah. things yeah. for us to do. And I do believe we all have a a personal ministry. And, and I believe if absolutely. we all find it and, and connect with other people, gathering together with other yeah. people, doing life yeah. with other believers, I think we'll find we complement each other well yeah. and, and we'd see the world kind of uh, take notice of the, yeah. the folks who have care, compassion, and, and love for for this world. Well, going back to that scripture, I think one of the things I hope is changing in the American church is that that scripture was has been interpreted traditionally as the work I do. Now, I'm a pastor, so I do the ministry, and I train you to go do the work and give me the money so I can do the ministry. Hopefully that's changing. Hopefully we see that and, um, and interpret that as we all have a ministry. That my ministry, and I say this to the gathering all the time. You know what? What I do is no more sacred than what you do. As a matter of fact, yours may be more sacred because you're the ones who are out there in the real world doing the on the on the ground ministry in the real world. And my job is to is to help you. Go do your ministry, not you go work and help me do my ministry. And if if we could just make that change, I think I think we we would come a long way to help people understand that all the men and all the women who sit in the seats and worship at their churches are preparing to go out and engage in their ministries, uh, ministries from 
writing to singing to, you know, I tell people all the time, if you're a nurse or a doctor, man, you are in a healing ministry. You are, you're, I mean, you're doing something that is right close to the heart of God. And, and I think if we could, if, if we can get people, the average, ordinary, everyday Jesus guy and gal to understand that the, that God is at work in their ministries right where they are. Then we could, I think we could revolutionize the whole concept of church in America. Well, I tell you what, I, I I certainly hope that that happens, and and I hope that you know podcast episodes like Renegade's Guide to God and and encouraging others through Christ and the God Journey and a bunch of other ones can help people understand this because it wasn't until I kind of reached out to you that I I recognized. I mean, I I always sort of viewed you know gspn.tv the stuff that i do with podcasting the the right. content that i create i always kind of felt like it was my own personal ministry right. if you will and stuff like this right. but um to be honest with you i always kind of i, I was really i i felt a little guilty at times when i put priority of what i'm doing over some of the things that people asked me to be involved in you know, as right. you know, as far as church ministry, right? You know, right. I, yeah. I I found myself, you know, being the business person that I am, committing the number of hours that I have to the projects that I work on. I found myself saying no to quite a few things that they asked that I would volunteer to help with, and right, and right. and oftentimes, not that they meant to make me feel guilty. I just felt guilty internally as a result of not yeah. participating yeah. in that, thinking that wow. I'm turning down God so that I could do the 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 stuff that I feel called the to dirty do. the dirty nasty making of the money. Well, God, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's like what? How yeah. how can this be ministry and I'm making money and 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 then how can God continue? That that was the big thing because I I remember this is the biggest thing for me is here I am. You know, I'm not I'm not doing my performance of all the yeah. things that I felt yeah. like God wanted me to do to yeah. appease Him. Oh yeah, and then I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, it's like, wait a second, how can God continue to bless my? I mean, God's blessings in 2011 have were just out of this world because yeah. I I had focused that I I, I promised I was going to focus on the year of provision, and man, the right. first six right. months I figured the way I was going to get that provision was pleasing Him, <laughs> and by golly, I flat, yeah. I I'll, I'll be honest with you, and yeah. and I, yeah. I know this is so wrong, and God probably is laughing his butt off. Um, but the thing is, is, um, for the first six months or actually for the first five months of 2011, I felt like he owed me yeah. the, the blessings yeah. because That's right. See, that, and that is the, that isn't the insidious nature of religion. And that is religion says, if you will do this for God, then you can obligate God to do this for you. And anytime obligation is involved, it's not love. Yeah, it wasn't and, love. Yeah, and I ask people all the time, do you believe God is obligated to love you? And and I think a lot of people would say, yeah, well, yeah, of course he is. But then it's not love. It's 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 a debt that he owes. And trust me, none of us are going to in-debt God to us. And if he loves me, I already have his pleasure. He already loves me. He already takes pleasure in me. And the insidious nature of religion is that I can keep you on the line forever because if if I say to you, obey God and he'll bless you and you you obey God or you think you have and he hasn't blessed you, then I can always say, well, you didn't do it enough yeah. or something's going on. I can always blame it on you. That's a great thing about religion 
is that religious professionals and other weird type people who just want to control your life can keep you on the hook forever, particularly the more tender of a heart that you have and the more desire that you have to really know God. We have this fear that if we really set people free, if we really tell them the truth, that they, there's nothing they can do to get God to love them more than he does right now, and there's no, no moral failure that they can that they can suffer, they, we get God to love them less. If we tell them that, then we have the fear as pastors that they won't come to church, they won't tithe, they won't give, they won't sacrifice, and they won't serve. Well, I'm a testament to tell you that since 1989 in this city, I have done everything I can to set people free and, and to separate moralism from Jesus. And I've seen people sacrifice and serve and give and do more than they ever would have for guilt and shame. Well, I tell you what, I gave I gave out of guilt and shame yeah. most of my Christian life. Yeah. And, yeah. and since September, I've been completely free from religion. And, and I'll tell you what, I've given... Number one, I've given freely and right. and with joy in my heart for the first time ever, and go. I've given more, yep. and, and 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 it feels good, and I love it. it. Does and just it just it, you know you oftentimes you say, boy, if God, how could I make some more so I can give more? <laughs> and so, that's exactly what yeah. that's exactly yeah. where I'm at. I I've told people I said I, you know I, this this isn't particularly a good Christian goal for people to have in, in my in my mind but by golly my goal I will be a I will have a net worth of more than 1 million dollars by the end of 2015. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, money is never the problem. Money is not the problem. The Bible does not say that that money is the root of all evil. It's the love of it. It's the love of the lack of having it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it is, you know, there's so many good things that happen with money. Money, again, money is a good thing. Money is a God thing. Why else does, does the Bible, did Jesus talk so much about it? Why did he teach so much about it? Why has the church always had all, the, the church historically has always had all the resources it needed. And if you go back historically and, and study this, the only, when the church really, really went south, I mean south like with uh, like a rock falling from a, from a building, is when Rome made Christianity the, the religion of the empire and started paying the bills. And when the ministry went from volunteers and amateurs to paid clergy by the state, it... it it, it went south immediately. So God has always been able to support his work. I always say this, you know what? If, if the gathering isn't worth supporting, let it die. Yeah. And if it is worth supporting, then I can trust that God will show up and, and provide. Uh, but, you know, this, this whole holding people hostage with a whole guilt on money thing is just, it, it, it's not just wrong. I know it has to grieve the heart of God because if I if I can make you afraid of money, then you can never be free to use it for good purposes. Ooh, that's good. I to, we ought to you gotta, that. You ought to write that down or something. <laughs> I ought to write that down. No, I, I, you know, Stephanie and I, uh, we, our family uh, has not attended this thing that people call going to church since September. 
and uh and i you know we we just basically uh decided that we were going to create something new and something exciting right and one of the things that we've decided we want to do is because we're very intentional especially since we're not gathering in a corporate gathering right now at this time with with a large body of believers we definitely want to do life not just online but also face-to-face physical right. real life people right. Right. On, a, right. on a pretty consistent basis and stephanie and i are going to create these things we're going to call them our eotc gatherings and yeah. uh, the, pur- the purpose is just to get together with other believers to encourage each other through our relationship with christ yeah. and and the thing is is it's it's not it, it doesn't matter where you go to church or if you go to church yeah. none of that matters the question is can we buy you dinner Ooh. Can we buy you dinner? And I'm thinking we'll probably do this. You know, we'll have we'll either invite a bunch of different couples and families into our home and we'll just we'll just have plenty of food for everybody or we'll reserve uh, one of those special rooms that's set aside for small parties in a a restaurant. And it's like, listen, bring your family of seven, bring your family of five, bring your your you and your your husband or wife and let us buy you dinner. Right. And, you know, it's just this idea. It's like this is just something I want to do. I want to I, I realize that I want to do life with people. And here's what I also realized is like all these times, all these years, I've done these small group teachings and gatherings and stuff. Right. And the kids are always, you know, it's like it's like who, who are we going to get to watch the kids? And I and I want to I want to it's like <laughs> I, know. I yeah. want I want my kids to do life with other believers as well. Right. And I want them to see us loving each other. I want to see I want the kids to see people having conversations that, that really matter. And I think that at a dinner table for a couple hours with yeah, some other yeah, people, man, yeah. I really, really want that. And, you know, and that's, and, and that's, that's like, yeah, God, I, I need some resources if I want to pull this off. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and David, man, if you could just hear what happened, I, I, I won't go into the big details here, but I just got my tax returns done. Turns mm-hmm. out, Turns out that I'm getting forty thousand dollars. Whoa, forty thousand dollars. Here's the reason. Whoa. Let me and, and tell, let me tell you what I realized. I didn't. I, I've of course I've never really understood how this business stuff works, right? right but right. God has seen fit to make sure that my business has seen a net profit every year since two thousand eight. And wow. and my accountant said said this term to me every year at the when he does my tax returns. He goes, now the business made a net profit. That means that uh, that rolls into your personal. And he says, no problem because you've paid more money in your personal taxes, had it withheld than what this costs. So you're still going to get a return back. Wow. Not a big deal. The thing is, is that every year he's told me my business has had this net profit, net profit. Well, right, right. And that, and the thing is, is he said, and what he was telling me, and I never really understood it. He was telling me, well, personally, out of your own personal finances, because this money's coming into you personally, and it's going to be seen as income, you have to pay taxes on it. And right. so I never knew that I was paying taxes on it because I just I didn't know that my amount of re- tax refund was being reduced. Because of the fact that my business made a profit. Well, right. what's happened is every year my business has had a profit. Some years it's been as little as three thousand. Some years it was ten thousand net right. profit. And my right. and what's happened is I've paid taxes on all this stuff. I've never taken the money. It's still <laughs> sitting. It's still sitting right there in my business bank account. 
Oh my god! And and I've just put it. And I've I've always had this big, huge buffer called my mm-hmm. options, not obligations account. Right. Uh, so I've just set it aside. And the reason I never took the money because I didn't want to pay myself that money right. because I right. have to pay taxes. And he's like, dude, yeah. that, you've already You're doing it anyway. He says you've already paid the taxes. Uh-oh. And I asked him. I sit there. I said, yeah. um. I said, how much money net profit have I paid taxes? He says, well, if you look at 2011, this year as well, um, $19,018. He says, you can write yourself a check for $19,018, and that is your capital. That is your personal capital. You've already paid taxes on that. And he says, by the way, this year, the federal's sending you back $9,550, and state's sending you four hundred and eight. That wow. is that is third. That's thirty nine thousand dollars. That's cool. You know what that'll do, yep. David? I yep. bet you that'll buy a couple people dinner. Think so? I yep. think so. <laughs> no, don't you think God has a sense of humor? He does. I mean, just, just you know, we have painted God as this fidgety, fussy, hard to please, withdrawn grandpa, and 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 not seen him as the loving, present excited about our lives father that he is you know can i say for me i want to know i I can tell you right now the reason why i know that i've never seen him as that is because i've never seen i've never experienced the uh an earthly father like that yeah absolutely and it really is hard for a lot of people i mean this is this is more common than it ought to be Uh, when i speak and talk about god's father i always get pushed back well you know what can we not use another image because yeah, exactly. father was an SOB? Well, and my it, response is, well, no, you can't because this is the picture of what a real father ought to be. Right. And and I'm thinking and, and I and here's the thing, I have my stepdad who's been he's been my dad since I was five or six. And I, right. I know he loves me and he's loved me in a in a in another way, but he's never been that you know, you know, let me put my arms around you, hug right. you kind of right. love. Right. And it's always yeah. been a, a, it's been a, it's a, been a very, mm-hmm. it's been a love, but it, it unexpressed, but, unexpressed. But, it's, but I've always, but the thing is, is, is the, that, you know, with my dad was when I did good, he's proud of me when I didn't do good, there's some discipline coming your way, yeah. but it, right. you know, and, and, and when you do the things I want you to do, I'm happy with you. When you don't do the things I want you to know, I'm, very disappointed in you. Right, right. I, you've let that's, me yeah. down. That's and, where the analogy breaks down. Yeah. Because I've often said to people, you know, God, you know, it, God is never disappointed in you because it would say more about him than you. It would say that he has a higher expectation of your behavior than he should. Well, he knows what we're made of. He knew how messy we were. He knew how screwed up we were. Tell- he knew, yeah, and, and he loved us anyway. He's the one who made this choice, not us. It, it, he's the one who's obligated himself. He did this, and 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 why in the world we can't just accept it and enjoy it, rather than just you know be to be all tied up over it? You know, I don't know, but I, I know people who have gone to church and been quote unquote good Christians all of their life, and and. Cliff, they have no assurance of heaven. They have they are scared to death to die. They live every day with their faith at risk. And it, it I'm just telling you that you know it, the stuff that drives you and keeps you up at night. This makes me mad. This gets me upset. This keeps me motivated 
Because I want to, you know, I I was talking to a a, a guy the other day who's a song, a well-known songwriter here in town. He said, you know, I've been listening to you since you came to town. He said, I think you're more passionate than you were back in 1989 when I met you. And I said, because I'm still trying to take Christian back from all the weird people who want to take it and use it for their own purposes. Yeah. Well, I I, I get upset. (laughs) <laughs> you know that you were talking on the Renegade, Renegade's Guide to God, and I loved how you talked about your two dogs. The fact that that you know, uh, yeah, you were you were telling us, here, you, you you were telling a story as you were recording that episode. You said yeah. you know the two dogs here, they're sitting here and they're sleeping, and, yeah. and they're secure, yeah. and they don't yeah. have a care in the world. They don't. They know I'm going to take care of them, and they know that 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 nothing's going to harm them. That they're safe here. They're going to be provided for, and they're going to get nothing but love, and they have to do nothing but let me love them. And, you know, that this is a lot of our relationship with God. Stop trying to do a bunch of stuff for God and let God love you. And if you let him love you long enough, what will happen is, is you'll wake up one day excited and enthused and and you'll want to, and you'll want to live the life for which you were created. Someone asked me one time several years ago. Says, you know, if, if as a pastor, what are the what what would be the, the the things you want your children, as pastors' daughters, to absolutely know? And I thought, hmm, okay. I would say this: the ultimate life and I've tried to teach my girls this, is to know God, love God, and live the life for which you're created. That's it. If you can do, if you can really master those three things, you're not going to love God till you know him, right? To know God is to love him. And to know him and love him, and, this, and then is to be open to allow him to make of your life something beautiful, something creative, something powerful. Because, you know, God has something in mind when he made us, Cliff, and as weird as we may think our makeups are, we, our personalities, our style, all that goes into making us who we are, was created with intentionality. He put us together with intention. And if we can embrace that and accept that, what happens is we start living out of the overflow of the love of God in our lives, and we become far less fitful and afraid. We do things that allow us to bless people. And bottom line is, you want to make a lot of money? Bless a lot of people. Help a lot of people. Love a lot of people. And have a way for them to return the favor. And that's how you make a lot of money. But we don't want to hear that. We want a quick fix. Uh, Give me a job. Hire me. Only to go back through the same old circle of, of toxic relationships and toxic outcomes rather than realizing that, you know what, if you, if you can do money in life God's way, you can do this forever. You can do this the rest of your life. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, David, we are running out of time. I just want to say... No, 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 I don't... Hey, what's the deal? What do we you gotta, mean? Wait, we got to go already? Gee, Dude. We, we were just getting, we're just getting the plane down the runway here. <laughs> I think I think we got I, I think we got the main point here. Our, know what your identity is in Christ. 
accept your calling, and then let that calling begin to define the ministry that is the is the vehicle by which you can get all the money and all the support to have a family and do all the other things you want to do. Absolutely. And then, of course, wrapping things up here with know God, love God. Live the life for which you were created. Exactly. That's it. That's the ultimate life, baby, right there. That's right. And, and, we, and we can live the life of a puppy. <laughs> oh, to be my dog. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, we may not be able to live the life of the puppy, but we will live the life for which we were created. Amen. Amen. That's all I want. David, we will come back again. I'll tell you what, I want to have, I'm going to open this opportunity up for folks. If you guys give us a call at 859-795-4067, again, the phone number 859-795-4067, you tell us you're calling in for encouraging others through Christ, and I will have David on again. You ask us some questions, and we will discuss them. Does that sound fair? Sounds great, man. I love those kinds of shows. Matter of fact, it's what renegade is all about is asking questions i deal i dealt with church membership this week you did hey until next time my friends we encourage you to join the community